0: All right, good morning, everyone. It is Monday, September 11th. This is the Marin County Transit District Board of Directors meeting, our regular meeting. And our first item this morning is roll call.
1: Um, First, I will state there were no requests for remote participation by any of the directors.
0: So we're all here.
1: Yes, thank you. I will now call roll. President Rice. Here. Vice President Colbert?
2: Here.
1: Second Vice President Lucan? Here. Director Moulton Peters? Here. Director Rodoni?
2: Here.
1: Director Sackett? Here. Director Bushy? Director Casisa?
0: Here.
1: Thank you, we have a quorum.
0: All right, thank you, Kate. So next item is open time for public expression uh, for items that are not on our agenda today. Kate, do we have any speakers online? Cause I'm not seeing anyone here in the chambers.
1: Um, First, I will recite how to participate in the meeting. Thank you. At today's meeting, in-person comments will be held before virtual comments. If you're joining us on Zoom and you would like to comment, please use the raise hand icon located on your screen. If you're participating by phone call, please press star nine to raise your hand. When it is your turn to speak, your name will be called and you'll be prompted to unmute your device. You will then have two minutes to speak. This concludes the instructions and I will check and see if we have any raised hands on Zoom. I see no raised hands on Zoom, thank you.
0: All right, thank you, Kate. Okay, so um, now we're on to Board of Directors Matters. Yes, Director Colbert.
3: Yeah, thank you. So Nancy, I just have uh, one quick question. I was talking with some members of the community and you know, we got this grant uh, to get more electric buses to electrify our fleet. Uh, are you giving thought to the buses excuse me, will be bi-directional and so they'll be able to you know distribute power during outages and stuff like that.
4: Yeah. <clears throat> um so we we have not gotten there yet but we will be considering that it's definitely something that's out there in the environment in terms of uh our our industry in terms of what they're looking at. So so we can we will be considering that we don't have anything right now in fact um Anna Panoyer is here who's our fleet person and and if uh, Anna has anything more to add um No, no. Okay, okay, but we can come back with more information on that as well.
3: Thank you.
0: Anything else. All right, and I guess I just wanted to um, give kudos to our folks um, staff working on all the school bus service. Um, I was looking at the website last night. And actually, was really impressed with the amount of information that's there, both for the yellow bus service as well as the regular supplemental school service. And um, just uh, it was a reminder of how much Marin Transit is doing in terms of trying to move kids around in the mornings mm-hmm. and in the afternoons. And I guess my question is I didn't get a chance to go to see, do we have an app? Do we have an app that allows folks to access without? being in front of a laptop, all that information. And in terms of not just real time for the bus service for like yellow bus, but just generally where, where what's the status of, of our app technology?
4: So I'm going to ask Robert to help with this one, but um, we, we do not have an app, a Marin transit app per se. So there are a variety of ways that you can get to our real time information. And so I'll let Robert go through what's available.
5: Yeah, thank you. Good morning, Robert Betts, Director of Operations and Service Development. As Nancy mentioned, we do not have our own app. What we've done is tried to make, well, we've tried to do two things. One is our website is mobile-friendly. It's designed to be mobile-friendly. I think about 70% of all of our users to the website are using mobile devices. So anytime we make a change or an update to the layout of our website, we always do it mobile first. The other thing we do is is we try to have accurate and reliable real-time data through what's called the GTFS RT feed for other developers to consume and make available through their apps. So as you recall, probably within the last year, you approved a contract with uh, Swiftly, which is a technology company uh, that was intended to really improve the accuracy and reliability of that data. So when Google picks it up or the Transit app or Apple Maps, anyone out there that's consuming our data, it's, it's complete, it's accurate, and it's reliable. So we've, we've really made a lot of investments to make sure that the data we're producing for others is accurate and reliable, as opposed to Marin Transit hosting and supporting its own app. On the yellow bus side, and I just saw an email this morning, they are working on releasing an app um, specifically for the Ross Valley parents to be able to track and get updates um, through through an app that's provided by the contractor. So that's coming soon. Um, but that that is an example where there will be an actual app that parents will download to uh, get that information.
0: All right, thank you, Robert. And I guess that's where I was sort of going is um, it sounds to me like, Yes, the information's available at your fingertips if you know where to go. It's not quite as easy as hitting the Marin and Marin Transit app, where we ever to have one, just because it's showing up. But the information's there. But things are evolving, um, and I just wanted to kudos on the website and thank you for making sure we're we're doing all we can to make sure that information on all all our transit um, is is supported on the phone.
6: Chair Rice, yeah. could I ask? So my son introduced me to an app called Transit, and they have all our stuff on there. So
0: that's a good one to
6: use, right? You can go all over the yeah. country
0: with that. And do we push out that sort of information to our riders of where to go? We
5: we do. Um, so a couple of things. It, with our new stop-level rider panels, we now have QR codes and URLs there that'll go directly to that real-time site on our website. Um, we don't specifically endorse any of the third party apps actually golden gate does endorse the transit app for their real time information, um, but you can get your real time information through the Google app through transit app through Apple maps. Um, so they're they're again it's it's all available and in, in all those different platforms. Um, I should also mention that the investment we made in Swiftly not only allows us to make sure that data is a little bit more accurate and complete, but it allows us to do direct messaging through that app. So if we have a trip cancellation, if we have a detour in place, if we just want to make a special announcement, we can do that, and that information will show up in those apps as well. So it just gives us a little bit more ability to communicate with our riders. Great.
4: We we did do, I just want to add, we did do a uh, push out to our writers of the, the new when we improved the data, we did do a push out to point them in that direction of our, our our website so they knew that they could get that I I think that was about eight or nine months
0: ago Robert that we It introduced? was right
5: yeah right before the service changes in yeah. June
0: so. Oh, okay, so it wasn't that yeah, long ago. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Thank you. All right. There are no other director matters. Um, Do we have any public comment on board of director matters?
1: Um, I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands. There are no raised hands. Thank you.
0: Okay. So now we're on to item four, which is the general manager's report. Nancy.
4: All right. Good morning, President Rice and directors. Uh, Kate, yeah, if you can pull up my report, I have a very brief report. Um, Next slide, please, Kate. So the Senior Fair was back this year after a hiatus since 2019, and it was very well attended. Uh, We had uh, sponsored the event this year, and we had a very large booth that was quite popular. Uh, We had the opportunity to talk to both existing and potential riders. Uh, Many of our community partners were there, and we had a chance to speak with them. And we had uh, quite a few staff there supporting the event and making sure that uh, we could speak with anybody who came up who... uh, Speaking in both English and Spanish, and we were there all hours of the fair. Uh, you can see here some of the data about how successful we were. We, we, um, I think one of the things that was new to us is that we, ate, we had because we had such a large booth, we had a table where we could actually uh, allow writers to complete the application, so we could actually go through that process right then and there when they came up to the um, to our booth. So um, we and we also gave out a lot of uh, giveaways and and it was it was a really great event and great to see everybody there. So that was uh, last last week, September 7th. Uh, Next slide.
7: Hmm.
4: And September is transit month Um, at Marin Transit. We think every month is transit month, but this is actually transit month here in the Bay Area is sponsored by the San Francisco Transit Riders and Seamless Bay Area and it consists of uh area wide events and and a contest, a rider contest. For the contest, you can take part in it. It's for the whole month and you track your transit trips and you can win prizes and buttons and um, badges and um, compete and all that. And uh, we uh, we'll, we provided some of the prizes for that. So we'll know uh, who, the most riders who rode on Marin in transit will get one of our, our prizes. Um, and then these are some of the events, just as a sample. There's a, There are events nearly every day this month throughout the Bay Area. And so on September 16th, there's this beat the ridership record where uh, all the transit agencies in the Bay Area are going to try to beat last year's uh, same for the same, <clears throat> excuse me, same Saturday <clears throat> last year. And then there are a couple of other things here that um, are coming up, Friends of Smart Inspiration Tour on the 16th, and then uh, Transit to the Beach, which is using our Route 61 on the 17th. And there's the website for more information so people can log in and, and participate in the contest and, and whatnot. So um, that's that's it for this. Uh, you can go to the next, next slide. Um, this is part of the monthly presentation that we do on where we are with our ridership and comparing our ridership uh, pre-COVID to this last month. And so uh, it, actually for June, excuse me, this is for the month of June. And you can see here that we are at uh, 88% of our pre-COVID ridership and still very high there within uh, the Bay Area. That's comparison to the Bay Area transit agencies. Next slide. And this is actually the raw ridership. So for the month of um, June, we were about seventh there among all of the transit agencies uh, in the Bay Area. So uh, we, we're still doing quite well with our ridership, but as you know, we've been pretty consistently getting co- close to 90% uh, for, for quite some time. And then turning to next slide, in your packet, you have uh, our monthly monitoring report, and this is the graph we show every month comparing our fixed route ridership uh, to the ridership from the prior year. Uh, the gray line shows the ridership by month for the last fiscal year, and the red line on top shows the ridership for this year. So you can see this, we've got a full year now of, of ridership. And um, this this year we did implement uh, the service change on June 11th. So we had a couple weeks of the last part of the fiscal year covered in this report. Um, and based on the the trends that we're seeing though, which is still pretty it was pretty early, uh, it looks like the riders have been pretty successfully changing into our new <clears throat> new schedules and uh, new routes. So haven't seen a major change there. <clears throat> uh, next slide. Uh, demand response ridership. Uh, again, similar slide here with the gray line and and the red line being red line this this year. Um, As we've said before, the ridership on marine access began declining in September of this fiscal year, and it dropped below the FY22 levels, and it's continued to stay below those levels. And in June, uh, the marine access ridership was about 12% lower than than last year. And um, just lastly, to, to note that the quarterly performance report for the fourth quarter is in your packet today as a part of your consent calendar item. It provides route level detail. Uh, trend analysis and evaluation of performance measures so it takes a, a slightly deeper look into our performance and
0: that concludes my report be happy to answer any questions Thank you Nancy any questions All right no questions um so I, I uh, Kate any but any members of the public out there like to comment on the general manager's report
1: I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands there are no raised hands on Zoom thank you all
0: right so we are on to the consent calendar, Nancy. Anything you'd like to call out here? Uh,
4: just I would like to just note that that we do have a federal legislative report in the packet. For the first time, we hired uh, or engaged the services of a federal um, advocacy group, and that report they report to us monthly as well as uh twice a year. And so there are two monthly reports, and the one of their. Annual semi annual reports is in the packet for you this
0: time, and we'll continue to do that on a monthly basis. Okay. Questions, comments up here? Nothing. All right. So, uh, any comment uh, from the public on the consent calendar on any item on the consent calendar?
1: I see no raised hands on Zoom. Thank you.
0: All right. You know what that means, colleagues? Need a motion? Move will consent. Move. I'll second. Motion, Redone, Second, Mont Peters. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? See none. That is adopted unanimously. So now we're on to the FAIR collection study. This is item number six. Yes.
4: Kathleen Sullivan, our director of planning, is going to present this item. And this is the first time that we'll begin a discussion about our FAIR study and what we'll be looking at over the next few months.
8: Kathleen's going to lay that all out for you. So great. Good morning. Um, So this is the first project under the on-call planning contract, which your board approved in the spring. It's a fare collection study to basically prepare us for the next generation of fare collection here at Marin Transit. Um, This study is focused on fixed route fares, not not really on Marin access fares or fare collection. Next slide. So um, today is just an introduction. We will be coming back to your board at least a couple more times on this study before we're reaching the concluding stages of recommendations. Um, so today I'll cover existing conditions, some context and background that led to the study. Um, and at the end, I will cover the evaluation framework. We would love your input on the evaluation framework because we will move from here into the phase of actually evaluating technology, technologies against this framework. Um, so that's the key area of, of course, we welcome any input on the study. This is sort of the the kickoff opportunity for the board, um, but that's a specific point of input we'd like your input on. Next slide. So, in terms of background, um, next slide. What brought us to this point of, of wanting to undertake this study? So, first, our current fare boxes on our buses were discontinued in 2022. And support services and spare parts for these will no longer be available after 2025. Um, so, we're basically forced into a position of having to figure out what we want to do, whether to replace those with the same thing or something else. Um, these fare boxes basically collect and validate coins and bills. Um, They're also used to accept all of our passes Pass, they're not you know our 31 day pass is not a flash pass someone actually puts it into the validating fare box to validate that it's a fare, and I mean that it's a pass activate it for the for the first time. Um, Were we just to replace these wholesale with the next generation of the same technology. It's very costly they're about 12 to $20,000 each. Um, So they're also very complex pieces of machinery so they require a lot of upkeep and maintenance and replacement parts. At the same time, on the second bullet here, um, we're finally getting Clipper. This is a major change for Marin Transit, um, and it's gonna be a really, truly a viable option for our passengers in a way that it has not been to date. Currently we're embedded within Golden Gate Transit on the Clipper system, and that will be changing with Clipper 2. We're actually the last, Last operator in the region that's still sort of embedded within another agency. So this this Clipper two transition is a, represents a bigger change for Marin Transit than almost any other any other operator in the region. Um, so today riders have to tag on and tag off because we're embedded within Golden Gate. If they don't tag off, their their normally two dollar ride could be ten dollars because it just charges them the maximum Golden Gate fare. So it's a pretty big uh, risk passengers are riding if you know they're r- running off the bus and it doesn't tag. So um, we also, none of our fare products, like our deeply discounted monthly pass or our um, day pass, none of those are available through for Clipper riders because it's all Golden Gates fare products. This fare card, the Clipper fare card has been around since 2006. Um, so it's been a long time coming that this transition for us. Um, Clipper 2 offer also offers some new payment options. So we see this Clipper transition as a major opportunity that is actually quite well-timed with the phasing out of Gen fare. Um, that it'll be a much more attractive option for us to push for our passengers we've never we've marketed it but we haven't really pushed it as a as a major you know major fair payment option just because of those disincentives Um, and then finally we've we talked to your board about um, fares earlier in the year and you asked us to really comprehensively evaluate equity in our fare system so that's going to be a key part of this study as well next slide there's three key questions we've set out to answer Um, first the most obvious the fare collection equipment um with clipper coming we'd love to find a way to not have to support two complex fare systems basically to really push clipper get a higher portion of our passengers onto clipper um and maybe find something simpler to collect cash fares we do think some subset of our passengers are going to continue to pay with cash for the foreseeable future so we need some way to collect those cash fares um but our goal is to do everything we can to um, switch people over to Clipper and reduce cash payment and potentially reduce the paper passes, get some of those passes transitioned onto Clipper as well. Um, but but the big question is what, what should the replacement for the cash collection be? The second one is passenger counting. So we currently use um, a combination of Clipper readers and our GenFair fare boxes to count our passengers. This is a really critical piece of data for us um, You know that shows up in Nancy's reports. We report it to NTD. So if we got rid of gen- these these fare boxes, um, we would have to find another way to count those passengers. So passenger counting is another uh, sort of piece of the picture here in assessing technology that would be on the buses. Um, and then finally, fare policy. You know, this is equal, holds an equal role as the technology assessment. The technology will not be driving our fare policy. We wanna keep our um, all the options available for fare policy changes, flexibility, Ability to offer different incentives, different discounts for um, vulnerable populations. So we're going to be considering fair policy kind of in parallel with these technology options all along to ensure that we have we keep all the options available to us from a fair policy standpoint. There might also be some fair policy changes we want to make either to increase equity as part of this transition or to incentivize use of certain fair products. You know, we could do short term campaigns or longer term ones to Incentivize Clipper by by giving some deeper fair discounts or something like that. So fair policy is another tool in the and question in the study. Next, next slide. <clears throat> so this is a little more detail on the objectives of the study. Um, we organized it into three main goals for the fair collection system as a whole. So this is just what should our fair collection system do? Um, and our fair system in general. One is maintaining business continuity, which ties to objectives around financial accounting and operations and passenger counting and making sure we maintain kind of our our business continuity on all those fronts Um, and making sure we have a really smooth plan for operational transition. These will be pretty major uh, technology changes on our buses. So we need to make sure that transition is smooth. The second is increasing um, equity and inclusion for our riders. So this really gets at, Making sure there's ready access to discounted fare options and then finally attracting and retaining riders, um, making sure we fare payment is easy and seamless for our riders and that any changes are really clearly communicated so the passenger experience is also seamless next slide. The study's going to unroll in three main phases we're sort of um, between phases, one and two right now. We are, um, we've documented existing conditions and I'll show you more on that today. We've established some goals and we're about to launch a passenger survey to understand rider preferences. Um, we have have a draft evaluation framework in phase two that we'll show you today. So this will be sort of the launch of phase two, um, getting your input on that evaluation framework. And then we'll be looking at all the technology that is available, you know, from high cost to low cost, simple to more complex and uh, a, Applying the evaluation framework to see which of those packages make the most sense for for the um, for our needs, and then the final stage will be to make recommendations for technology and fa- and fair policy. And the study is going to conclude hopefully by around the end of the year, maybe January. Um, and we are going to be creating both an implementation plan and a marketing and communications plan. The implement- implementation plan is more on the internal marine transit side of how to make this operational transition. And the marketing and communications is how are we going to communicate the changes to our riders to make the transition as smooth as possible? Next slide. So, getting into existing conditions, uh, next slide. This is our core fare structure. Just put this up there for reference. Um, we have a $2 base fare with discounts for Clipper, frequent riders, older adults, youth, and students. Next slide. Um, this is a summary of our existing discounted fare programs the the first three rows were basically mentioned on the last slide they're the discounts for adults seniors and youth um, and use of clipper and frequent riders the bottom half of the table covers some of the low income discounts that we have available um there's a variety for um 50 discount off the single ride under clipper start uh youth can get a free annual bus pass if they're low income And seniors in ADA can have access to the Marin Access Fair Assistance Program, which gives them a discount or a free bus pass on Marin Transit fixed route, as well as some discounts on Marin Access um, programs. And then there's some special discounts for certain programs which are um, serving disadvantaged populations such as Homeward Bound. Next slide. So looking at how riders are actually paying today, um, I'll first, first look at the green slices from the various shades of green, but all those green slices currently use are validating fare box. So that fare box that has been discontinued. Um, So as you see, it's a fair share of riders are currently using that fare box today to pay their fares. Um, 47%. So almost half of our riders are paying with cash. Uh, They're either putting a couple bills in the, um, in the, in the fare box (laughs) Um, And getting, they can get a transfer. They can also get something called a change card. So they could put in a $20 bill, $2 would be deducted and they'd get an $18 change card back. And then it's effectively $18 in cash that they can continue to use until that that $18 is used up. Um, This also includes our monthly passes and single ride tickets are also validated using that fare box. Um, Moving around to the blue slice, that's Clipper. Only about 11% of our riders are using Clipper to, to pay their fare today for the, due to the disadvantages I've already, I've already chatted, talked about. Um, and then the gray, there's two gray um, slices are flash passes. So that's our youth pass, which is mostly our low income um, youth pass riders and the com pass, the College of Marin pass. They also get a free pass with their tuition. Um, the big takeaway here is that there we have it's a big jump to get from where we are today to a hu- a fair share of our riders using Clipper and getting off of cash. So we do see that that hurdle um, that faces us. Next slide. Um, there. In terms of using Clipper for fair payment, um, there are some complexities. And one of the goals of this study is to really look at each complexity of, of using Clipper and see which ones we can overcome. Many of them will be addressed with the new Clipper 2 system. Um, First, you have to get a Clipper card. So, adult cards are available at a variety of locations in Marin County. But we recognize that more vending options would be a great way to get Clipper more accessible for people. So that's something we're already working with MTC on, especially getting more Clipper vending options in our communities of concern, um, you know, Marin City and the Canal. Um, there also there are several discounted Clipper options, which which offer some pretty good discounts, but each one requires an application. Um, and for some populations, just simply the act of filling out an application is a barrier to to getting the card and the discounts. And then as you see in this chart, um, different discounts are available from different locations. So there's no single place where you can go and say, here's all the discounted Clipper options that are available. So we recognize that's also um, a barrier to getting a Clipper card. Next slide. Um, one thing we have seen in our monthly, um, in, our pa- in our fair, how people are paying fares is a big uptick in how many people are using the monthly pass. So for frequent riders, this is, provides a pretty deep discount. Um, Marin transit did a 50% price cut back in 2020 from $80 for unlimited rides for a month to 40. And ever since then you see the, the amount of riders that have, are choosing to buy that pass is going up and up. Um, with Clipper Two, we have access to something called an accumulator or fare capping. So essentially, someone can tap their Clipper card, pay two dollars, pay keep paying two dollars until they get to forty, and then they're capped. They no longer have to pay anything above forty dollars. So basically, anyone who is a frequent rider just by behavior doesn't have to make the choice to buy a forty dollar pass at the beginning of the month. They just get the forty dollar the forty dollar pass discount um, if they get up to that to that ride level. Um, so that's twenty rides. You know, you can do the math if you're riding a couple times a day or making transfers. You could get up to that level pretty quickly if you're a regular rider. Um, so we see this as a really great opportunity to push um, to push Clipper and to get the this pass product, which is a great great value for our riders, into more riders' hands. Next slide. Um, we also looked into what's driving riders' choices. We've done two different surveys over the past several years on um, on fare payment. So first, um there are still, despite the fact that we have marketed it, a lot of riders just don't know about Clipper and the discount that it offers. So right off the bat, we just know that rider education is going to be a key, a key piece of this um transition. Second, convenience is a key reason people are paying cash. It's hard to beat being able to just put two dollar $2 bills into the um into the fare machine and get on the bus. So we know we have to make Clipper both financially, the financial and other advantages of Clipper um, sort of in parallel to those to those conveniences of paying cash. Um, Costs and transparency have been concerns we've heard. A lot of those are gonna be overcome by the Clipper system, um, by the new Clipper system, the risk of being overcharged, um, the initial purchasing cost of the $40 pass, for example. But we know, again, marketing and and education is going to be key to make sure the riders understand that these changes have happened. And just in general, keeping the system as simple as we can. Next slide. This starts to show some of the features of the Clipper 2 system. Um, I'll focus just on, you see Clipper 1 on the top and Clipper 2 on the bottom. A couple of the new fair payment options that are going to be available is one, you'll be able to just tap a credit or debit card on the Clipper machine and it will deduct the $2 just like you would if you tapped a Clipper card. Um, So that for some subset of our riders, that could be an attractive way to get people to use Clipper rather than cash. Um, And then Google Pay and Apple Pay, these smartphone mobile wallet type solutions will also be accepted. So the same way you could go into a coffee shop and you just tap your credit card to buy your coffee or or many people are now tapping their smartphones, you can do that on the bus now. So that's particularly um, appealing for like a casual rider who just wants to hop on the bus periodically. But for some of our riders, they might think that's actually the most convenient way to pay on an ongoing basis. Um, So those are two great new options we'll have under Clipper. Next slide. This gets into a little bit more detail on some of those other barriers we saw in the surveys of why people aren't choosing Clipper today and are choosing cash. Um, Most of them can be addressed by Rider Education because they're essentially... Hurdles that will no longer exist in the Clipper system. But if people have learned that that's what Clipper is one thing, we have to re educate them that Clipper is another thing. So, overpayment penalty, our passes and discounts not being available, the need to prepay to get discounted passes, um low awareness of our fair discount programs is again addressed through rider education. And we are going to be making a big educational and marketing push with this transition. So, it's just an opportunity to mark to. Um, Educate people on the on the discounts that are already available today. Um, I already mentioned Clipper vending options. We're already working with MTC to get more Clipper vending options. And two of the stickier challenges um, that we're going to have specific strategies in the plan to address are um, the subsets of the market that are unbanked. And this, this application for discounted cards. We know that a lot of our riders might qualify for those discounted cards. And we just need to make sure we, we figure out ways to get those applications um, into people's hands, get them filled out. Like Nancy mentioned at the senior fair, we actually had people filling out the Marin Access application. So it might be just more in-person outreach, filling out the applications hand in hand with people. Next slide. Um, so the last point on existing conditions is just passenger counting. Um, we This is the other notable need if we ha- if we switch away from GenFair. Accurate passenger counts are a really critical function for Marin Transit, um, and we currently are using GenFair and these fare boxes and the Clipper ridership numbers. We don't currently have a very reliable source for stop-level ridership, so this could be an opportunity to transition to another passenger counting solution that would give us better stop-level ridership, which as far as understanding who's riding, where they're going, really accurate stop-level ridership is a really great tool in the the transit planning toolbox. Next slide. Okay, so the final section here is the evaluation framework. Um, The three goals for the system are the, next slide. The three goals of the system I mentioned at the beginning are really the foundation of this evaluation framework. Um, And essentially we'll, um, We're going to look at all the technology that's available, apply this evaluation framework, see how each technology or each package of technologies performs against that framework, and it allow us to assess the pros and cons of each package and come up with recommendations um, and really have a a documented sort of logical process by which we came to the conclusions. Next slide. Uh, These are the draft evaluation criteria. so, under business continuity, um, costs obviously are a big are a big factor, both capital and ongoing costs. You know, maintenance and operational costs. Um, all of these need to maintain financial operations. You know that the money we're collecting in is able to be audited. We understand who it came from, why we got the amount of money we got. Um, rider data by type and by stop. Ideally, uh, we'd be able to get out of a new passenger counting system. Operational efficiency, you know, faster passenger processing times, also any risks in the operational transition we need to take into consideration as we're making the transition between technologies. Um, we are gonna need to continue to support cash collection, but we'd like the system to support transitioning people to Clipper and, and maybe getting some of those past products onto Clipper. In terms of equity inclusion, uh, reduction of barriers to transit use that are due to our fares or our fare payment system. So we want it, this to continue to be a really easy, we don't people, we don't want fares to be a barrier of why people aren't riding the bus. Um, and uh, we're doing this fair study, I mean, this fair survey that we're about to launch. So we want to make sure the rider preferences are reflected in our fare policy under attract and retain riders. Next slide. Um, so this is a uh, just the schedule of how the rider the sur- I'm sorry the project will progress from here. Um, up there at the top, you you see we're about to launch this writer survey. Uh, we'd love your help getting the word out. We'll have um, we should be launching the website today with the survey um, link, and would um, be great to get it out in your newsletters. Any way you have of reaching writers would be great to to get your help on. Um, the goal is to have the survey open until October 13th, so about a month. And then we will, I hopefully, be able to bring those results to the next board meeting after that, um, after that uh, survey closure, and then we'll be looking at the technology and assessing fair policy considerations as the next two two stages. And we'll be coming back to you at least two more times to uh, talk about talk to you about how that how that assessment goes and how the writer survey goes. Um, we'll get be getting to recommendations ideally by the end of the year. And then in orange, you see that implementation plan for the operational side and the marketing plan for our passengers. So with that, I will conclude. Thanks so much for your time. Happy to take any questions. Yeah.
0: Kathleen, that was an excellent, excellent report. Uh, the slides and your presentation. A lot of stuff there. It's exciting. Questions? Mary.
9: Yeah. Okay. So, um, thank you so much. Appreciate this. I guess from, you know, the highest level is the question of like, what does it cost versus how much do we collect? And I know there's other reasons that we have to collect fares, but I would love to see that in the metric because I feel like in conversations in the past, we oftentimes spend more to collect, um, and and frankly even if that's the case how do we streamline that if if the main thing we need is numbers maybe a simpler recovery system i don't know but i'd love to see that as part of the metric frankly um the other, the next question is like what do, you're saying that a lot of the other transit agencies are using clipper 2.0 or have a much higher use of clipper so what technology are they using and sort of what are the pros and cons on that might be a, a good place to start. Um, the in-person Clipper station in Marin County. it said there was only one, where is that?
8: Santa fell transit center.
9: Okay. So you go so into a, the little coffee staff, shop. Service. Okay. Okay. Um, And then I really like this accelerator part of, or accumulator part of Clipper 2.0. And that seems to be um, check a lot of the boxes on equity and ease and, um, not having to make those calculations. Um, so I see that as a great point. I just sort of historically Clipper seemed to cost a ton of money and not provide us a lot of great benefits. Um, so seeing it out from under Golden Gate transit seems like a good step, but also just wanting to understand sort of the costs of, of each of these. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Dennis.
7: Yeah, thank you Kathleen. Um, really good presentation. I'm wondering if you're thinking we need to know more about the cash and single ride tickets people make up. I mean, because we're speculating that they're going to use a credit card or a device, but we need to really know more about that group yep. before we make that decision. So hopefully, I don't know if your writer survey will target that group. Yep, definitely. I think it's really important to understand why they're using cash most of the time and will they use something else I think is probably the most important thing and and then I sort of along the lines of um, uh, board member Sackett you know I think from my point from an equity perspective having a fairless system option in here still makes sense it may not be the right time but I'd certainly like to keep that on the table in the discussion so thank you
8: yeah
3: Yeah, uh, thanks. And uh, these probably sort of blend in with the uh, previous comments, which are uh, super on point. And Nancy, I think at some point there was like this blue ribbon conversation because um, t- to me, public transit—you know—the paradigm should always be sort of like Switzerland, like you just like get something and it sort of works throughout the Bay Area. So I would be curious to see, like, is this. Is this part of that vision that sort of you know if you if you have a card here it'll get you wherever you want to go in all over the Bay Area in the future? Like I, I think that's what I would would want to know. Like are we moving towards that with with this decision? Um, and then the, the second one, and I I think it sort of goes to to both those questions again. I'm looking at the chart where it says Clipper 11% and Cash uh, 47%, and I'd just be curious. Not having ridden other public transit systems in the Bay Area for a while, or if at all, like what do their numbers look like? Mm -hmm. Like you know, like you know, like just as sort of a a benchmark, so we actually know what what's at least sort of plausible. We can always sort of aim for higher, but it'd be sort of good to know what other uh, transit um, systems' experiences are.
8: Yep.
0: Eric.
10: Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Kathleen. A really great report. Just a couple questions. Um, on the riders that are paying cash, do we have a way to really differentiate those different rider types versus youth, seniors, disabled, uh, is that, is that captured at the point, uh, by the driver as a, a bill is being put in? Can you maybe talk to that a little bit?
8: Yeah, I can. And then I might ask Robert to make sure I'm accurately, uh, characterizing it, but the, um, the driver basically marks or keys in the type of passenger. Mm-hmm. If it's a pass product, then the this, the validator recognizes that pass product. But for the people paying cash, it's it's through a manual terminal that the driver's using.
10: Gotcha. So that's why when we did like free fares during the summer, we were able to determine maybe how much the revenue loss was because we we're able to determine how many youth maybe were paying those fares in previous summers. Yeah. Okay. Um I, I think that data is really important. And yep. as and you've got this as your evaluation criteria: rider data by type and stop. You know, but looking at them in those different different buckets. If we are talking about doing anything different with fares, understanding is it something we do across the board? Is it just with youth? Is it with seniors and disabled in those different categories? Um, I'd be very curious to find out how many youth are putting you know a a, a physical dollar bill in on a regular basis. Um, and it could also be helpful if we're talking about some sort of um, you know fareless options by category um, to really compare what, what are the, how much does it cost for us to collect fares for this? Not, not the whole system, but yeah. for this segment, um, and how much fares are we actually collecting? Um, uh, the second question, as far as evaluating the capital costs and the, the ongoing costs of fare collection, are we able, or how, how can we adequately get all of the soft costs that come with collecting fares? I mean, from uh, customer service to I got overcharged to somebody placing a phone call. I mean, there's a lot of um, direct, indirect, and then kind of just additional costs associated with fair collection. Are we able to mm-hmm. really evaluate that?
8: Uh, to a certain degree. And mm-hmm. we have been working on that. I don't know if you want yeah. <clears throat> to No, exactly that. I mean, it, it is
4: tricky to get some of those soft costs and some of the things that, you know, Lauren gradia our CFO, uh, has actually been working on that as well. And so looking at certain of those items, we can isolate, but others are, are much harder to do, as you suggested. I think there are some that, that also just don't go away, right? If you pay for armored car services for some cash, you're going to still pay for you know you're going to have that if you have any cash as an example so that it it doesn't scale i guess is what i'm saying so you know there's certain things like that um but yes we are looking at at a number of those factors okay yeah
10: Yeah, i'd be curious to get a little bit of that that breakdown too when when we look at you know here's here are all the fares we collect on an annual basis and here's you know the the direct costs and all of these other ongoing costs that are potentially associated with uh, collecting fares, uh, you know, coordination with other a- agencies. Anytime we change the fare, doing a consultant fees for a fare study every couple of years. Um, I, I imagine if we try to calculate it all, it could be a pretty pretty significant number. Um, but I think that's important for us in the evaluation criteria uh, to take a look at. Um, I I think this is this is really phenomenal. Everything you put together, I think the the evaluation criteria, the framework um, is. Is right everything that we need to be looking at. So I'm very, very excited to see the results as as we continue down this path. Thank you. Yeah.
6: Stephanie. Yes. I'd say ditto to that last comment. Really well done. Hey, can you remind me what is uh what what percent of our overall budget do revenues from fares represent? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. About around 15%.
0: 15
6: five. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So I think that would be good to put in our report somewhere. And then Nancy, can you remind me? Did we already go through a simplification process a couple of years ago where we looked at all these different fares and tried to?
4: We we have in a, in a couple of ways. We uh, a few years ago we did look at and in fact removed a couple of fare types, and um, so we weekly pass was one of them that we we actually because there were so many choices we yeah. we removed okay. that one. And then, of course, more recently with Marin Access, we've tried to really look at that and simplify some of it It included fair payment as a part of what we're trying to simplify. Okay,
6: great. So this is the simplified list that we saw today. Yeah, I just yes. want um, I, I wanted to um, acknowledge some comments that Supervisor Sackett made to it. Um, At looking at other systems and are there lessons learned about those who are already paying you know with cash and what what do we know from other places that have similar types of populations so um, then I had a couple of questions about how you plan to do the survey and you may have mentioned that and I missed it and whether a month is enough time to do it but Mm -hmm. is it one-on-one surveys are you going out to you know farmers markets and where CalFresh and other uh, services are provided to reach people.
8: Um, we so it's an online survey, and then we are um, going out and actually trying to get the survey into people's hands at transit, mostly at transit stops. That's been our that's our primary focus for the time being. Yeah. Um, and then we can kind of assess at the midway point and see if we need to make another big push, in person push, to do it some other ways. Yeah. Yeah. That but a sense. big focus is is being at the stops where we know the riders who are paying with cash are riding. Right. No, that makes the most sense. Thank yeah. you. Great. Okay. That's all thanks. I had. Fred?
2: Yeah, thanks. A great report by way. sounds like you have a lot of work in the next three to four months to do. Um, just a couple of questions. You mentioned you're going to be looking at existing technology. Is there any new cutting edge or technology that's coming out maybe in the next six months that could be utilized also? Or is it just existing that you're going to be looking at?
8: Um, so we're mostly looking at things that are that are well-established for the transit market, um, but nothing is off the table. We haven't taken anything off the table yet. Okay. All right, thanks.
2: Yeah. And it sounds like one challenge just may be the cash portion because um, how do you balance out? I don't think we will ever be able to totally eliminate and go to a cashless system. It's just going to be a challenge yeah. trying to figure out when you start getting your fare boxes, how do you factor in, even if you reduce it down to 10%, where you still have to serve that population? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? It just sounds like it could be a challenge.
8: Yep. That's definitely one of the core, core pieces of of this. And there's a there's a transitional element too. We're currently at 50% of people paying with cash. Maybe we could get to 10% eventually, but how do we phase that over time? And when do the fare boxes go out of production, you know, completely? quit being supported and so how do we how do we manage that transition cuz the marketing if we do a really effective marketing and we get clipper creeping up over time it's still going to take time to get to whatever the end state is where we plateau at whatever that final number is so we're also looking at that of you know how do you tra- how do you support cash payment in the transitional period and then where might we be be able to get to eventually
2: right and then when we do get to that market <clears throat> piece just try to keep in mind that the senior population yeah because I never realized until about a year ago that Clipper has a senior discount. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think again, if you can get that messaging out, that would help that segment also.
8: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll also say um, several of you, we are already doing peer case studies. So we've had interviews with several other Bay Area operators and a couple non-Bay Area operators. And that's gonna be a piece of the next board presentation is sort of a summary of what we learned from those peers. What is the range of Clipper uptake in those agencies? in a lot of cases they got clipper a long time ago and the push that we will be making next year they made 5 to 20 years ago um and changing their fare policy structure to incentivize clipper and all of those things so we we but we're trying to get at those historical factors of what moved the needle for those agencies to get them from clipper didn't exist to clippers now 70% of how people pay for the fare or something like that
2: i, I just have one more <clears throat> Um, I know you're doing the questionnaires and all in the surveys. Have you ever thought about doing um, focus groups?
8: Yes, that's also going to be a part of the we're doing the survey first. And one of the, the the questions is if you would be would be willing to participate in a focus group paid focus group, you know, please give us your contact information. So that'll be a, a big piece as well. Okay, Probably as we're moving more into the, we have some technology on the table and we're starting to come up with a plan of, of what we might want to do kind of getting some feedback from people of how we could make that best work for people thank
0: you
8: yeah. yeah Eric
2: hey,
10: I just had one other thing I forgot uh, I do think on the automatic passenger counters it is something that we should uh, definitely be looking into and potentially decoupling that from our fare collection system mm-hmm. um, it has its pros and cons obviously we we would potentially lose the data of the types of passengers that are riding um whether you know they're you senior have a bicycle or should we probably with an automatic passenger count, you can probably determine if they have a bicycle, mm-hmm. but you might lose that more more demographic information. But I think decoupling the two uh, is probably key moving forward, so that we're not, you know, committed to a fair a fair system only because that's the only way we have for yeah. counting passengers. Yeah. Thank you.
0: All right. Great questions and suggestions, and I was going to go uh, the same um, direction that uh, Director Lucan just went in terms of, you know, the importance of the data collection and understanding and getting down to that, um, that on, you know, stop by stop level ridership, um, the data, who, who the riders are, where they're going, um, where they're getting on and off is just so key towards informing our service and service changes. And it is uh, distinct and separate from fair collection in and of itself. Um, and then um, too, I, and I think that that's this pairing up um, as you look at, as you do the peer case studies, Looking at, you know, what is the recovery, the fare box recovery for peer agencies, um, but then also pairing that understanding our fare box recovery and understanding those soft costs that Director Lucan talked about that come along with having to collect fares. I just think that's really, really critical. Um, and um, really think this is going to be interesting what it shows us. Um, lastly, in terms of the surveys, are we doing some partnering with um uh, local CBOs and organizations. And in fact, that's a really great source for focus groups as well, I would think, uh, and glad to hear that they would be accompanied with a a stipend or some sort of uh, incentive to participate. People give their time. We should, we should reward them for that. So anyway, anything else you need today? I don't think so. Okay. No, it's great. It is exciting. it's really important. Um, Okay, so we will go then to public comment on the fair collection study report.
1: I see no raised hands on Zoom. Thank you.
0: Okay. All right, Kathleen, thank you very much. Now we're on to item seven, which is uh, to approve ADA bus stop improvements projects and determine the proposed project is exempt from uh, CEQA. And
4: Anna Penoyer, our manager of capital projects, will be giving this presentation. Um, as you all know, we have over six hundred bus stops in in the county, and uh, we ha- this is an ongoing project. Anna's is always working on bus stops, and so this is the next phase.
11: Thanks, Nancy. Stealing my thunder a little bit. Sorry, yes, sorry. It's okay. Um, good morning, Board of Directors, President Rice. I'm Anna Penoyer, Capital Projects Manager for Marin Transit. And as Nancy mentioned, today we're going to talk about Marin Transit's current bus stop improvement project. Next slide. First, we'll go over some background information about Marin Transit bus stops, talk briefly about Marin Transit's previous bus stop improvement projects, and then talk about the current project. Next slide. So there are around 666 active bus stops in Marin County. In 2017, Marin Transit did a comprehensive ride check and survey of all the stops in the county to update their conditions and assess candidates for future bus stop improvement projects. Surveyors looked at the accessibility of the stop, including condition of the sidewalk to the nearest intersection, and whether there was a 5 by 8 ADA wheelchair landing pad, as well as existing amenities. Using that information gathered, bus stop improvements were prioritized first by the need for ADA and accessibility improvements, and then by the number of users of the stop to try and make the biggest impact possible. Next slide. This chart shows our minimum standards for bus stops based on daily passenger use this helps to guide us as to what amenities should be added at each stop. It's a goal for all of our bus stops to be ADA accessible. Next slide. Marin Transit has completed many bus stop improvement projects. We updated all of the signs countywide to give additional information for riders. We have improved connections between regional and local stops in 2013 with the South Nevada bus stop improvements project and with the major transit stop improvement at Redwood and Grant. Um, In 2015 and 2019, we made accessibility and stop improvements at 26 stops through phase one and phase two of the State of Good Repair Bus Stop Improvements. And finally, in 2020, we installed 18 real-time signs, which display real-time departure information. Next slide. So for this project, um, which we're calling the ADA Bus Stop Improvements Project, we're making improvements to 22 stops throughout the county. The project locations can be seen on the map on the left side of the screen, um, and they are all over Marin County. The majority of the improvements are to make stops ada accessible by adding the ada landing pad or to replace the sidewalk sections that are uneven or failing to improve access to the bus stop in addition we're adding nine new or replacement shelters a new bench additional lighting and we are reactivating a stop by marin community clinics in novato adding a new paired stop on the other side of the street so that Marin Transit can serve this location. And we are also adding a stop in the canal um, on East Francisco and Medway, which will help riders to reach their final destination much more quickly. Right now they have to ride through the loop. There's actually, next slide. There's a diagram on this side. Most of our passengers ride counterclockwise, counterclockwise around the loop And the new proposed stop indicated by the star is at the beginning of that loop. So people can have a quicker ride home or to their destination. Um, The estimated cost of the entire project is about $1.8 million, which is programmed in the Marin Transit budget capital budget as BS bus stop improvements. The project will be funded through FTA 5307 and the local match through Measure A and local property tax funds. So this is the current schedule. Right now, the plans are going through final review with the local cities and jurisdictions. Um, The cities and local cities and jurisdictions should be completing the reviews this month. Three of the stop locations are in Caltrans right away and uh, their review process is lengthier. Um, So once their review is complete, Marin Transit will release a bid package targeted in May 2024, and hopefully begin construction in September 2024. Next slide. As part of this item, we're also asking your board to determine that the proposed project is exempt from the California Environmental Quality Act or CEQA pursuant to CEQA guidelines, section 15301c, existing facilities. All of the stops are located on existing facilities or include minor alteration of existing public facilities and involve negligible or no expansion of existing or former use. Basically, the project consists of implementing infrastructure improvements to improve access to the bus stops. Uh, Next slide. Quick, but um that concludes my presentation. Thank you for your time. I'm happy to answer any additional questions.
0: Anna, thank you. Excellent report another another suite of projects in front of you. Good job. Any questions? Super our, uh, Director Rodoni.
7: Yeah, thank you, Anna. Good, good report. I'm looking at your chart modified minimum under other amenities. I know there's a lot of laws and rules around ADA when you're doing these studies, but for me, accessibility to internet is almost as important as, as all these other things, including the ADA. Um, I just wondered if that's something you've thought about, um, including that as a another item there.
11: That is not something we've considered, but it's definitely something we can consider.
7: It you may sense. not be able to solve it everywhere, but at least yeah. you would start to recognize where those voids where are. Where
11: those at. empty spots are, yeah.
0: Thank you.
11: Director Sackett. Yeah, I have two
9: questions. Um, One is, what does safety rail mean in this context?
11: Yeah, so some of the stops, we're increasing the sidewalk at the back of walk, and there's like a drop-off behind, so we're adding a safety rail to make sure that people don't they stay on the bus stop
9: okay and then um the other question is the in the high use stops adding bike or bicycle storage what is that enclosed bicycle storage or is that a bike rack
11: it's a bike rack in general we are not adding any with this project but um at some of like Redwood and Grant we added some enclosed um bicycle, storage, which um, poses also some issues, um, but bike racks.
4: And I think we've done that in uh, collaboration with the Bike Coalition very frequently. Or, and with or... the
11: local jurisdiction.
9: I just see that as an emerging issue to have secure parking with the weight of e-bikes going on the front racks and then also the cost of those bikes and people not wanting to leave them just um, to uh you lock or something so again sense. maybe not something we can solve immediately, but I think something we need to continue to pay attention to because I think it's an ongoing issue I really appreciate the breadth of stops that you've addressed kind of looking through that map I think you've hit a lot of the um what seem to be high use areas and and I think um areas that need a little um tlc so i really appreciate the breadth of the stops thank you
6: director moulton peters yeah. i wanted to respond to something um, commissioner sackett said you know when we did redid miller avenue and we looked at the stops we just didn't have room for bike boxes in the right of way we had to work with so that's a consideration too um uh, i wanted to ask about the uh, real time signage. Is that something that's contemplated in some of these stops at all?
11: Um, we are not currently, we don't have plans to add real time signs during these bus stop improvement projects, um, but we are always looking to expand that. And as is well.
6: that just because that requires additional grant funding? um we've
11: been seeing this as more of the physical improvements to the stop i think we can discuss bringing in the real-time transit signs too we're still evaluating how the more recent signs are working um yeah and yeah we've we just segmented it but it's not because we can't add them back okay it certainly wouldn't preclude them right yeah yeah
6: yeah, it just seems this is an opportunity for an upgrade all over. And then your lighting, is that solar or is that? It just um, we
11: are looking at solar lighting mostly, yes. It depends on the stop, but we are looking at adding um, lighting at the College of Marin stop in particular. We have received many complaints about inadequate lighting there and at the new stop um, in the canal.
6: Yeah, that's great because I notice how dark the stops are at night even in Mill Valley and Strawberry. I wonder if I could get a list of the stop locations in my district too.
11: Sure. And there is a, a list included and in, I can send you. Is that is this. that the full list in the staff report? Uh-huh. Oh, huh, okay. I
4: don't know. This, yeah, well, you mean the list of those that are being that are, undertaken in this project? Yes.
6: Oh, okay. I missed the second part. Thank you.
2: I have the list. Great. Thanks,
0: just Director quick, Kassises, go Thank ahead.
2: you. Just two quick questions. Thanks for the report um, for the modified minimum bus standards. It says those standards were developed in a 2006 short range transit plan. Have those been updated over time?
11: I- um, they have been updated somewhat Um they are certainly due for another update. We do look at them and see if they still make sense. Um, but we have been planning with the on-call planning contract as well, doing another task order to look at the minimum bus stop guidelines as well.
2: Okay, thanks. And the other question, I'm going the opposite direction. What do we do with bus stops that are no longer used or in service? Do we do those just stay there and fade away? <laughs> and I don't know if we have a lot of those. It's more just out of curiosity.
11: Yes, yeah, so we do remove the signage, um, but... A lot of those stops are just, it's um, really the cities or jurisdictions who own that right of way. We just, they let us put our infrastructure there. Um, so it just becomes sidewalk. Okay. And we remove the bus stop.
2: Do you notify those cities and the towns, but, but by the way, these are no longer being used. So they're your responsibility now?
11: Um, I would say that they're always the city and jurisdictions responsibility. It's kind of a Mm-hmm. um it is a collaborative effort between them and i do we certainly are in contact with the cities a lot when we add or discontinue service
2: okay thanks
0: all right um anna just maybe for um to supervisor or to director molten peter's questions around what's the stops that are part of this project then that is in the staff report i i think it'd be great also to have the full list of of stops that have been improved over the last, yeah. this has been going on, this is an ongoing um, cycle. So um, just to have that comprehensive list, I think would be great to have as well. And let's see. But Let's see. So I think there are no other questions. We can go to public comment.
1: I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands. I see no raised hands on Zoom. Thank you.
0: All right, and then before I ask for the motion to approve this item, a quick story about bus stops. So um, when my kids were, my older sons were in high school, it was just pre-smartphone, and one of my um, son's peers got an internship with Golden Gate Transit, I think at the time, and his internship was to go around Every day, summer, sit at bus stops and do measure them and draw schematas of every single stop in the county. <laughs> anyway, and those drawings are on file somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they've been digitized, but anyway, thankfully, we have easier ways to, of um, assessing stops and their amenities and dimensions. But anyway, now I'm looking for motion Second. All right. It's a motion, Mullen Peters, second, Lucan, to uh, approve the project and determine that the proposed uh, project is exempt from CEQA pursuant to CEQA guidelines, section 15301C existing facilities. All those in favor? Aye. Uh, Aye. That is unanimous. All right. Anna, thank you so much. And with that, we are adjourned. Thank you.